Today's sermon text will be in Proverbs chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. So if you're able to stand, let us stand in reverence for the reading of God's Word. Proverbs chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. One who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil. But a fool is reckless and careless. A man of quick temper acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. The evil bow down before the good, and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. Let's pray. Father God Almighty, we do give you praise and thank you for the wisdom that you give us in your word. In these last several months where we have been looking at the wisdom of the Proverbs, Lord, you have guided us in how we are to live, not merely as just good human beings, but as you're righteous, as you're saved, you're redeemed. Father, you call us to be people of, of common sense, not high and mighty intellectuals, but still we must think we are not to be blind and just follow any doctrine that sounds appealing. And even in the Proverbs, Father, you point this out, that we do not listen to the deceitful. Instead, we listen to the voice of wisdom. And so, God, I pray this morning that you would speak to us, that our hearts would receive your wisdom, your counsel, your salvation. And so, God, let this time be a time for you to speak, and let us hear well. It is in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have a seat. don't know about you, but it really boggles my mind when I listen to folks who say there is no sign of God anywhere. All we have to do is wake up in the morning and go outside, and there is more evidence of God's presence and God's existence than we could even begin to calculate or to document. Amen? The fact that we, number one, are awake and that we are beings that are aware is the first sign, I think, that there is a God. You all realize, how many people recognize that you are here this morning? (laughs) Does anybody imagine that they might still be in bed because you had that extra hour of sleep or something? No, you're here. We have the ability of awareness And that is something that God has instilled within His created order, especially within us, made in His imago Dei, the image of God. The natural order of creation points to God Himself. The natural order of creation points to cause and effect. If you trip over a rock, that is the cause of your effect to fall flat on your face. If you eat too much sugar, 
That is the cause of the effect of diabetes. Amen? Cause and effect. We cannot get away from this reality of our ordered world. And God has revealed Himself that is one way of several. And wisdom, as we have learned in the book of Proverbs, is this understanding of God's will, understanding of God's ways, understanding that God is. And that's wisdom. And it all is tied into God's plan of righteousness for His fallen world. Now, this understanding of God and His ways and His principles is also understanding the patterns of the created world. You realize that there is structure, that there is rhythm, that there are patterns that we cannot ignore? The idea that somehow the created world is random and chaotic is something I cannot bring my mind to wrap around. It is something that I have many conversations with college students on this. They, they adamantly claim that the world and the cosmos, the universe, is all random and chaotic. And I say, how can you say that? It's amazing that in this world that we live in of order and structure, of cause and effect, of you know that when you do one thing, it's going to lead to another. It amazes me that we have people in a world that is blind to it. And Proverbs here, especially in this particular passage we're looking at, reminds us that there are two ways of existing. There's two ways of ordering our steps. There is the simple and there is the prudent. And we're going to look at the differences here. Proverbs chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. Y'all know somebody who is simple-minded and they're gullible and anything you tell them, they say, yeah, I agree with that. Many of us in this room, every one of us have fallen into that trap from time to time. Anytime that we click on the internet banner ad on the thing that we don't need, but the banner ad tells us, yes, you do. We are being simple. We are reacting to our emotions. We're reacting to that appeal of beauty and attraction. Anytime that you're in the grocery store and you know you go through the checkout line in the grocery store, you know, people still do that. They buy groceries in a store still. And what do they have there at the checkout line? Every enticing thing that you do not need, but man, you can't do without. Right? Everything from the tabloid newspapers. I don't see those much as, as I used to, but those and the candies, and all oh, the candy bars, yeah, and the sugar, the instant impulse buys. Proverbs shows us that there are two ways of thinking here, and the simple are those who believe everything. And the simple are those who, if it sounds appealing, it must be true. The other way of being is that which is of prudence. But the prudent gives thought to his steps. So you have the simple who do not think and do not ponder and do not calculate the cost. And then you have the prudent who actually take time to ponder what is the end result here. 
cause and effect. The words of God here in the Proverbs are words that if we actually meditate upon them and apply them in our everyday lives, there is no doubt that we will find God. God has revealed himself to us through wisdom. We do not have to look very far. He is speaking loudly, not only in his created order, God is speaking loudly through his self-revelation and through his spoken word here, through his scripture, which leads to his son, which leads to our salvation, which leads to everything that God is saying about himself. And we just stand in awe. Amen. And I think it is the tool of the devil to cause us not to think. It is the tool of the devil to cause us to react as simple, where we believe every word without pondering the effects. And so we look here in verse 15, the simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. I want us to focus more on understanding what prudence is. We actually looked at this a little bit a few weeks ago in Proverbs chapter 8. We said prudence dwells in wisdom. Prudence here is this idea of practical wisdom. You know, when we're thinking about wisdom, you got two different ways of thinking about this. Most people understand wisdom from the idea of speculative wisdom. That honestly, there are times where we just do need to reject some of the speculations of human thought. Right? We speculate that there is no God, so he must be dead, or he must be a figment of our imagination. That's speculation. Yet, what we're looking at here in prudence is the idea of wisdom that is practical. Everyday living. Putting common thought and wisdom into practice. That's what prudence is. Prudence is actually tied really to morality, moral wisdom. How do we live well? How do we become, or how do we live as good people? What is good? What is not good? There is a practical side to wisdom here that prudence leads us to. Prudence is concerned with action. Prudence is concerned with doing things. What do we do? How do we take the next step? What decision do we make next? Have you ever struggled with a discernment? What do I do next? What job do I take? Do I stay where I'm at? Do I take the new job offer? Do How do I raise my kids? The other side of wisdom, this speculative wisdom, is really an aspect of intelligence. It's this desire of of thinking high thoughts, living in the ivory tower, really just kind of living outside of everyday existence and just kind of contemplate. You know, I actually fall into this sometimes. It's, It's my sin. I would rather sit in my library with my books sometimes than to get out and do something. Right, But prudence is living in the everyday world. It's how do we interact with one another? How do we gain and progress in our everyday lives? That's prudence. And look at this. The scriptures tell us that if you are simple in your thinking, if you are simple in your actions, where you are just gullible and, and you believe everything that you here, then the response or the the, the outcome of this, the consequences of this are never good. Look here in verse 10, verse 16. One who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil. 
But a fool is reckless and careless. You could say that in verse 15, that if, if you are simple and you believe everything and you're gullible, really you're like in verse 16, you're like the fool who is reckless and careless. We normally, we normally attribute this kind of behavior to those who are immature, who just jump into things without thinking, who are just reckless and, and abandoned. Now, there is an aspect of, of, of being bold and direct and just jumping into things bravely, and sometimes there can be some good results from that. But how many times have you jumped into something with reckless behavior without thinking it through first and then stood there and scratched your head and thought, what was I thinking? How many of us have done that? The problem is we weren't thinking. We weren't contemplating. We just jumped into it with emotion and it felt right. We were reckless and careless. And the scriptures show us that the end of that is not good. The simple believe everything. They believe every word. And I would look at this text and ask myself, if the simple believe everything, but they claim Christ, what kind of Christ are they believing in? Because we have a lot of different images of Christ in the world, a lot of different images of man-made definitions of who Christ is. And if you have the Christ who's going to give you everything that you ever dreamed and ever wanted, I'm wondering which Christ they're talking about, because I don't see that in Scripture. Jesus didn't have a whole lot of material wealth to give anybody. And He was actually modeling for us how to approach the kingdom of heaven. If they claim Christ, and they believe every word that someone claims about Him, but it does not line up with what God says about him, are they being honest? Are we living something? Are we believing something that is gullible? Are we believing a, a twisted distortion of the truth? Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. We see the very beginning of sin by living simply, by being simple, by not pondering the consequences of the act. Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die." But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. We know the very beginning of the gospel narrative actually starts right here. As Adam and Eve fall from grace, they fall because they are listening to a distorted voice. The very doubtful question that Satan proposes, is that really what God said? 
Look how desirous this is. Look how appealing this is. Adam and Eve both fell to the temptation of easy desire. That is being simple. That is not listening with wisdom. Because even Satan has distorted the truth of what God says and saying, if you partake of this fruit, if you touch this tree, you will have wisdom. You'll know more than God. You'll be like God. You'll know good and evil. You'll be like him. Isn't that an attempt? Isn't that a tempting thing? Adam and Eve do not contemplate the consequences of their action. They don't think about the cause and the effect. They simply follow what feels right. And we've been paying the price ever since. Herman Melville, in his classic novel, Moby Dick, actually calls Adam and Eve the two orchard thieves. They stole from God. And we've been paying the penalty ever since. Amen. So living simply means believing everything. Living simply may even be following our intellect. Well, it sounds good. I'm, I'm, I may be thinking about it, but it sounds appealing, so maybe it is. That's, but there's no prudence here. Will you contemplate the action? Will you contemplate, if I do this, what comes next? You see, because prudence is concerned with action. Look here back in Proverbs 14, verse 15. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. Or the King James says, the prudent is concerned with one's going. Where do we go? What do we do? Have you ever thought about that? Does anybody have a a journey that they're going on? Do they have somewhere to go? Do you have somewhere to be? Have you thought about that? We have to be somewhere. We're going somewhere. How am I getting there? First of all, prudence requires a goal, an end. A journey goes somewhere. Where are you headed? If you don't know where that is, prudence says stop and figure it out first. What is the end goal to the journey? Where are you? In other words, where is this action leading to? Once you know the end, then your steps will be, de- will be decided. And that's prudence. Right? Look here in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 18. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. Now, this is after we understand what the results are being simple. In verse 16, the one who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. Verse 17, a man of quick temper acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. If you are simple in your actions and you're simple in your thinking about your actions, then you will be reckless and careless. You may even have a quick temper and you may act like a fool. It's interesting here that in verse 18, if you are acting this way, if you are simple and foolish, in verse 18, your inheritance is folly. That's an interesting word. Folly is not a word that we hear much anymore, but it is a word that is commonly uh, seen in much of classic literature. Folly is this living foolishly. It doesn't make sense. You're standing there with empty hands of nothing. That's folly. Is folly the goal that you wish? 
Is folly where you're going? Is folly your desired end? Then be simple and foolish. That's what's going to happen. But if your end and your goal is that of righteousness in Christ, if your end purpose and goal is I want the crown that God grants his righteous, then folly is not where you're going. You're going somewhere that is much wiser, that is much more uh, concerned with your well-being than folly is. Folly does not care about your well-being. Folly does not care about who you are as a person. Folly only cares about the moment of joy and pleasure. It does not concern itself with the end purpose of living well and living righteously in Christ's image. Notice here in verse 18, the simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. Let's understand what prudence is here. Let's dig into prudence. Again, prudence is concerned with action. It's concerned with where you're going, how you're getting there. Prudence is actually argued to be an attribute of foreknowledge and foresight. Are you thinking ahead about where your actions are taking you? Are you thinking ahead about perhaps your budget at the end of the month? Are you thinking ahead about, okay, we're ending 2019 right now. You've got a couple of months left. Do you have a, a financial goal by the end of December? Or are you going to spend everything you've got on credit cards for a happy, joyful Christmas and blow whatever money you might have or not? What is your end goal, right? So prudence deals with foresight. It's a practical wisdom. It's it's looking ahead, but it's kind of a looking ahead with experience from the past. So prudence also entails experience. So those who are foolish, those who are simple, don't really have a lot of experience to, uh, to build upon. That's why children and young ones, and I will admit, even in my teenage years, I didn't really make very prudent decisions. How many people were there? Because you didn't really have a lot of experience to build upon. Prudence comes from experience. How many of us realize that if we uh, go too fast on on the bicycle, that we may actually slip and fall going down that hill that has a bunch of gravel on it? experience in that situation gives you a little bit of wisdom so that the next time you're going to have a little bit of caution as you get on the bicycle going down the hill at 100 miles an hour with gravel. I learned at a much later age, uh, I think how old was I? I was probably 38 or 39 years old. And my two boys had these Razor scooters. Y'all remember the Razor scooter phase where you folded them up and they were the hot trend thing. And my two boys had Razor scooters and I was going to be a cool dad. And I was going to ride a Razor scooter down the driveway. It was a downhill driveway. And I thought, I can do this. And I'm going down the hot driveway. And I think, okay, I'm out of control. Because, you know, the more weight you have on those Razor scooters, the faster you go downhill. And I realize I'm out of control. And in my quick thinking, I'm thinking, I don't want to embarrass myself in front of my boys. I want to be a cool dad. And I think I'll just kind of lean it over to the grass and just kind of step off of it. Well, as soon as that that scooter that was going about 30 miles an hour hits that grass, boom, I stopped and I flipped. 
and I landed and broke my collarbone. Prudence tells me, don't do that again. <laughs> Experience tells me that's not a good idea. But I was trying to be a cool dad. And instead, my boys just laughed at me. So prudence involves foresight, but it's foresight with experience from the past. So if God has brought you through some things in your life where you, he, perhaps God being a good father allows us to experience some things and learn the folly of those decisions so that the next time, maybe we'll be more prudent. Identifying prudence with foresight actually helps us think about this. Who is it that we know that has perfect foresight? You know anybody? Do we have God the Father? God Himself is the only one who has perfect foresight, perfect foreknowledge. God Himself knows all things. He knows the, he knows the outcome of every action. It's called providence. Here's the thing, when, when we as humans, when our foresight is fallible, because how many of us can predict the future? We can think and desire what the future will be, but we never know the, the true outcome. But God himself and his providence knows it all. For the foresight of things to come, which is providence, belongs only to him by whose all things come, and that is Christ and his Father in heaven. God himself has the only foresight of all things. He is beyond time. He is past, present, and future all at once. We are limited in a timeline. We, our idea of existence is tied to a timeline of past, present, and future. God is not tied to that. He is beyond that. Wow. So don't you think that if, if prudence brings us a crown of knowledge. If prudence is that which bring, that orders our steps, prudence gives us thought to our actions. Where should that come from? Not, definitely not us, because we make mistakes all the time. We cannot predict the future, but God himself knows all things. His providence is always perfect. Amen. Prudence also has an element of caution to it. If someone is prudent, you know them by their character trait of somebody who is generally cautious. Their temperament is one of waiting. A simple-minded person, a foolish person, does not wait. A prudent person waits. So it is a temperamental trait. It is actually seen as a virtue. Prudence is seen as one of the moral virtues that we should obtain as righteous people in God's sight. Anyone who claims the name of Christ, who does not have the virtue of prudence, I would argue is missing a big aspect of the Christian life. Because instead of being a patient and waiting as a virtue, if their temperament is rash and rushing into things without thinking things through, then what we're really doing is we're not trusting the providence of God. That's a sin. 
is failing to trust that God is in control and we wait to see how God is ordering our steps before we take uh, take that step forward. Now, there comes a place where faith is required. We do not know the end, but we trust that God has it in order for His glory. Not for ours, but for His. And so prudence is this moral virtue that should be a very key aspect of the righteous life. Now, what is this looking for? Prudence is also tied to a sense of morality. What does it mean to be right and wrong? What does it mean to be good or bad? What does it mean to be a good and moral person? How do we know how to do this as Christians? It's clearly because God himself has given us a moral standard by which to live. And this is why the book of Proverbs is so rich to the Christian, because there are words of wisdom here that are not commands per se, as much as moral guidance and moral law. If we follow the moral structure of the wisdom books of the Old Testament, then we will see a life that is calmer, more structured, less drama. Can we say amen to that? How many of us have uh, are tired of drama? When we look at prudence, prudence can also be seen as a skill in the choice of of, of, of the means to the end. Prudence is a skill that helps us understand the means to an end. And as Christians, what is the end that we are striving for? As Christians, as God's righteous, as His loving children, we strive for the greatest well-being that God Himself has in store for all. And what is that? What does God desire? He desires that all would be saved and come to faith in Jesus Christ. God Himself desires that all who are His righteous are those who trust Him. And we're like His family. And we just, and He loves us and we love Him back in return. It's almost like a little child laying their head down in the lap of their father. It's all good. God desires the best for us. He desires a, a well lived life. And in order to obtain this requires faith in Jesus Christ and that God's providence is directing our steps. And there is a skill that is necessary for the Christian in order to understand the means of getting to that final end. Think about this. It is said that it is impossible to be practically wise. You know, prudence is a practical wisdom. It's not this speculative, high and mighty, ivory tower wisdom. Prudence is common sense. But it is impossible to be practically wise or prudent without being good. Think about that. How many of us are good? (laughs) None are righteous. No, not one. Where do we obtain this righteousness? How do we even come into God's presence? How does God even see us as good and righteous and holy apart from the blood of Christ? You see, one cannot have prudence unless he or she has moral virtue. 
If you are, if you claim the name of Christ, yet your morality and your sense of virtue does not align with that, I would argue that you are nowhere close to Christ. If we are regenerated, if there is a new birth in us at the moment of salvation, then a sense of morality, it's not a a, a hocus-pocus miracle thing. It's something that we suddenly wake up to realize, wait a minute, I, I think about these things differently. I'm feeling differently about my choices and my actions. And along the way, God directs our steps. Prudence directs our steps. And so I see prudence as a gift of God as He is shaping us through a process of sanctification to be the men and women that He desires us to be. You see, here's the thing. Prudence is the right reasoning. Prudence is right thinking. And it disposes us to a moral end that God says, here is who I wish for you to be as my people, which is more Christ-like, to take on the image of Christ every single day. It's a process. It's not a magical hocus-pocus, boom, you're perfect. Can we say amen to that? And I think the problem with many people who have been taught in the prosperity gospel movements and in other false teachings of Scripture, they think that it's a magical pill and their lives are perfect. And then the first stumble that they come across, they can't cope because they've been told a lie. Scripture shows us that God gives us the the tools of thinking, (laughs) of wisdom, in order to know which step is right leading to the end. If you don't know your end goal, how do you know which step to take? And so the first step here, I think, from the book of Proverbs is, what is your end goal? Is your end goal to be Christ-like? Is your end goal what God has given you as the end? What is it? Know that first, and then your steps will know where to go. And prudence is the gift that God gives us as right reasoning to where we go toward a moral, virtuous, Christ-like, holy, sanctified end. Amen? You see, prudence is practical. And moral virtue shows us what is right in that practice. That's what we need. And what is the end goal here? We see this this idea of blessed. Remember last week, uh, we looked at the idea of blessed in the Proverbs. Blessed is not this thing, of again, of prosperity financially and materially. Blessed is the idea of a happiness that all human beings are hungry for. And happiness is not pleasure. If it was, then, man, I would just have banana pudding ice cream uh, from the Lazy Cow Creamery sitting in my freezer every single day because God said, be happy and blessed. But what, is the, what happens when we eat too much banana pudding ice cream? We end up in misery. And so wisdom tells us it may be good, but it may not be best. And prudence is that attribute of righteous living that shows us that. And what it, So what is this end that God has in store for us? God does not have in store for us an end that is full of riches and material comforts. 
Instead, God's end here is this blessed life of eternity. He has a blessed life of living the best way possible. Not your best life now. That is a distorted idea here from the scriptures. It's not the best life now. It's the best of what God has for his creation. Virtue then makes us aim at the right end. If we are morally virtuous, if we obtain virtue through prudence, and all of these two, thi- these two things guide us together to the right end. What is the right end? It is the right means, the right end of achieving God's holy life for us. See, the right end cannot be achieved unless the means to it are rightly chosen. The right end cannot be achieved unless we listen to the words of God through His Scripture and listen to the words of His Son, Jesus Christ, as He tells us, the only way to the Father is through me. So you want to know what a prudent life looks like? It's embracing the truths of the gospel. It's embracing what Christ has said, you can only come to the Father through me. So it is prudent then to embrace Christ. It is, imp- it is prudent then to embrace a Christ-like life, a regenerate, born-again, made-new submission to Christ himself. As Christ makes us new, then and only then can we know what the end is, and then and only then can we ever hope to live prudently. Now, let's... Close this out. Turn over to Matthew chapter 6, and we'll close here. Beginning in verse 19. These are the words of Jesus himself in his Sermon on the Mount. He tells us in chapter 6, beginning in verse 19, these are steps of prudence. These are steps. How do we lead to the glorious goal or the end that we are striving for? Number nine, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Do you see the language there of where the end is leading? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. If that's your end, then the result is going to be moth and rust will destroy it. Thieves will take it. But if you point to heaven, (laughs) if heaven is your end, if entering into the kingdom of heaven and being righteous and Christ-like as God himself designed and as God himself orchestrates, then none of that will be taken away. Because look in verse 21, for where your treasure is, There your heart will be also. That right there sums up prudence. That right there sums up what this means to live with prudence, not live as simple. If we are simple-minded, if we are simple living, the end result is not heaven. The end result is folly and destruction. And as a pastor, when I am counseling folks from time to time and I just listen to their, tra- to their traumatic lives, 
every single time without fail, you can always unpeel the layers and you can realize, now, wait a minute, what's missing here is what, it, what are your eyes focused on? Are your eyes focused on the immediate uh, satisfaction of the day or is your, are, are your eyes focused on an eternal heaven glory existence with God himself? Because when our minds and our eyes are focused in the moment, we're going to miss the bigger picture. When our eyes are focused on the, I've got to have it now, we're going to be simple and foolish, and the result will be folly. But if our eyes are pointed on that glorious end, even everything we focus on in the moment will be toward that glorious end. End. And that is what Scripture says is prudence. That is what Christ Himself says here in the Gospels. Don't focus on the immediate satisfaction and pleasures of the earth. Focus on a treasure in heaven. Amen.